Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We've been working through an article by Kevin DeYoung entitled, Where and How Do We Draw the Line? It's about dealing with the quote, in essentials, unity and non-essentials, liberty and all things charity. Um, great line, but sometimes it's hard to ascertain how to live that out. And so he provides seven principles. We've already looked at establishing the essentials of the faith, number one. Two, listening to the communion of the saints. Three, distinguishing between landing theology and launching theology. And today we begin with number four, that we need to distinguish between the explicit teaching of Scripture and the application of scriptural Principles. So does somebody want to talk us through what he means by the explicit teaching of Scripture as opposed to the application of scriptural principles? I'll just give the example that he's given here. He, he talks about how the Bible clearly teaches that parents are to train up their child in the way of the Lord. Um, but, it's, but he says it's less clear how each parent is to do that. And so it doesn't answer the question whether a child should go to a public school or a Christian school or be homeschooled. And that he grants that different Christians will reach a different conclusion about the application, about how they're going to train up their child in the Lord. And he says, so to make the Bible speak dogmatically about, well, you must homeschool. You know, in fact, I'm aware of a number of years ago, a certain individual, actually, he planted a church. They were kind of what you might call a homeschool church. And they disciplined parents that didn't homeschool their kids. That's changing the explicit teaching of Scripture and making the application what you think is the application, uh, the explicit teaching. And maybe what would be helpful is just to go through um, other examples of that that have caused problems. So I'm just thinking of one with regard to the use of of alcohol. There are some that read the, the Scriptures and say, well, a Christian should never drink or consume any alcohol. The difficulty is, where's the explicit teaching of Scripture on that particular position? I'm mm-hmm. okay if somebody takes that position um, as far as yeah, there's nothing personally. Wrong, there's nothing wrong for, with yeah. somebody being a teetotaler. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it would just, but to say that everybody must be, like you say, where's the explicit teaching about that? So I personally do not consume alcohol. That's just my own. I thought there was something weird about you. That's my, <laughs> that's my own practice. Um, is, I, is this, that's easier to confess than the other. <laughs> um, I, we can't be friends anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, for me, it was largely because of my role as a, a high school, a public high school teacher that as I was working with those youth, um, this was 
just a way for me to hopefully set an example of self-discipline and restraint, which was something that, at least in the area I was teaching, that was a struggle for some of those young people. So it's not principled in the fact that I think it's morally wrong if I had a drink. It was just practically what it was. This is a matter of Christian liberty. And there's a lot of things, you know, that uh, Paul says there are many things that are beneficial, but there's the suggestion is that there are things that are lawful to him, but not beneficial. Mm -hmm. And in my Christian liberty, I have a lot of liberty to do certain things. You know, I mean, back in the day, you know, I grew up in a fundamental home, you know, that don't drink dance, smoke, or chew, don't go to movies, don't go, you know, these different things. And what don't would, date the, those that do. Sounds like an old country you, 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 didn't, you, didn't want to go to, you didn't go to movies because if you're in there and the Lord comes back, you know, what would he think? That kind of stuff. Well, you know. Oh, I, I always ha- thought that was because then you'd miss the end of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, what, I, what I'm saying is I have a liberty to go to, I, I have a liberty to go to the theater. Say. It is so far down on my priority list that I may only do that once a year. And the, and the same thing might be, you know, you have the liberty to, the, the launch point is I have this liberty. Where I land is going to be, is this beneficial? Mm-hmm. Is this beneficial to me? So as a pastor, I would have to think through all the things that I need to accomplish and say, is that, is that something essential that I really need to do? Mm-hmm. So the explicit teaching of Scripture is that we are not to be drunk. Mm-hmm. We're not to be drunkards. Very much. That's the explicit teaching of Scripture. If someone to apply that and say, well, I can never get drunk if I never drink alcohol, so I'm never going to drink alcohol, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's an okay application. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if someone are someone else is going to say, you know what, this is not an area of temptation for me, this is not an, uh, an issue that I struggle with, it's okay for me to have... Uh, a beer or a wine occasionally and not get drunk, well, that's fine too. Yeah. Um, so on the theater example, what's the explicit teaching of Scripture? Well, Philippians 4, 8 would say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the explicit teaching right. of, of Scripture, and then how we apply that with regard to the movies that we so, watch so or I don't might, watch. So I might you know, put no unclean thing before your eyes. So there's an explicit teaching. Yeah. So so if I'm going to go, is there some sort of redeem, redeeming quality about this movie? Is, it, you know, is there a underlying, in one sense, a good narrative, a gospel narrative, a, where uh, truth prevails, or something like that. Maybe, maybe that's going to direct me whether I'm going to go s- see that, or whether it's just simply an entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable with that entertainment. It doesn't cause my mind to um, drift into an unhealthy area. So, mm-hmm. yes, the explicit teaching from Philippians there is helpful. I think we could give other examples. Mm-hmm. I think how we approach the Sabbath. Um, there's, it's an explicit teaching of Scripture that we need to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy. I think the application of that, there can be variants yeah. on. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Family worship. Family worship. Clearly commanded in Deuteronomy chapter 6. What does that look like? Oh, If yeah. you're not doing it like me yeah. after dinner for 23.2 minutes, you're in sin. That, that would be a wrong application. I mean – there are some that feel strongly that singing has to be part of family worship. 
we don't sing as part of our. If you're, you were you're in, in my, sin, you're if, in sin. <laughs> if you were part of my family, you would know why we don't sing as part of family worship. Do you sound like the seagull from Little Mermaid? But, well, a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> It's either well, that or they think we're the Von Trotz. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. the, but the family worship thing, you know, you're to teach about these things on the way. It's not, you don't. And when you're sitting down. And when you're sitting down. And Both. Yeah, when, whenever. Yeah. That, you know, so it's not like if, it's not like you must have a particular hour of the day in which you accomplish this. You know, if you're driving, you know, if you're taking a, yeah. You're, uh, a trip, you're conversing about the things of God. Yeah. I met with somebody not too long ago, and they were saying, you know, I don't th- I don't think my dad really ever had a spiritual conversation with me. You know, says he's a believer. But that, you know, you're now you're missing a principle, yeah. which you might call family worship, but it's really uh, what Deuteronomy talks about, about teaching and training up your children in the way they should go. Yeah. We're going to cover one more principle today. Number five is distinguish between church existence and church health. And we, um, Josh was talking about this at least slightly off air, so I'll punt this his direction. Um, he was given an example that I thought was helpful off air. Well, in the Reformed Confessions, it, it talks about the three marks of a true church, um, the preaching of the word, the administration of the sacraments, and church discipline. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And um, I think that's true. Uh, how do you know if you're at a, at a real church? Well, ask yourself, is there the true preaching of the word? Is the administration of the sacraments, baptism and, and Lord's Supper? And is there church discipline? Well, then that's that's a true church. But there is a, a distinction that we need to make between the preaching of the word and between the sacraments and discipline. The preaching of the word is what builds the church. If the, the, the word is not being preached, there is no church. Mm-hmm. So those are essential for the existence of the church. However, um, the sacraments and church discipline, they are essential, but they're not essential in the same way. They're essential for the health of the church. And the letter to the Corinthians is is the, the prime example in the New Testament. Just real quick, I just want to follow up with what Josh is saying. In that same article that talks about those true marks, the next statement in the confession really summarizes what he says. It says, in short... The church governs itself according to the pure word of God. So the confession itself actually highlights that what's absolutely essential is the word of God. Yeah. And that discipline and the sacraments flow out of that. Right. And so that is true to the existence of the church as opposed to just the health of the church. Right, and like there'd be a reason why if you lived in the first century, you might struggle going to the the church at Corinth because they were really messed up. They didn't practice church Mm -hmm. discipline. There were people dying at Lord's Supper because they were abusing it. So they were a very unhealthy church, but they were a church because of the word of God was still there. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some others that are... Distinguishing between church existence and church health, what are some other things that would be helpful to note here? If you didn't, be- if your church doesn't believe in the Trinity, you don't belong to the true church. If your church gets the doctrine of the end times wrong, it, it might contribute to some church health, but it w- you'd still be a church. Mm-hmm. That you know, you're talking about the uh, the confessions in the Belgic Confession, which talks about these three marks. 
it does not only make a distinction between a church that is more pure or less pure along these lines that has the, you know, I mean, actually, you know, this is like talking about the perfect father, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a less pure, more pure father. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's certain things to the nature of fatherhood that I understand and I do, but I'll be quick to admit, I'm a dysfunctional father too, because I get some things wrong, you know, and I, you know, so my goal is to be more pure, uh, not to be dysfunctional in my parenting or my grandparenting or anything like that. But this same article will point out there is a false church, and we need to understand this false church as well as the ones that are just kind of mixed. And the false church ascribes more power and authority to herself and her way of doing things than the Word of God. You can see there's churches, there's buildings that have the name church on them, but they have no real true connection to the Word of God because whatever they do, they regard as, oh, that's what we do. We're a church. Well, we will continue this conversation tomorrow and wrap this up with trying to provide helpful points with regard to how to engage and disagree with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you tomorrow. 